Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our MSEC podcast for the sake of the child. My name's Tara Gleason, and I'm the producer. On today's podcast, we're going to listen into a conversation with Dr. Ken Ginsberg, who's on our MSEC Science Advisory Board, but he's also the founder of Center for Parent and Teen Communication. He's a professor of pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and this is going to be a part of our ongoing Navigating Change series that you'll hear about throughout the summer. This week, he did a webinar with our MSEC parent-to-parent team called Building Resilience in These Uncertain Times. We're only going to share a small clip of some of their conversations that took place during this webinar. So if you want to be able to join the entire webinar and be able to download some free resources that Dr. Ginsburg shared with us, please go to our website at www.militarychild.org backslash webinars, and you're going to be able to hear the complete webinar with Dr. Ken Ginsberg. Hello, everyone. My name is Louise Webb. I'm with the Military Child Education Coalition parent-to-parent webinar team. So we are super excited to have Dr. Ginsburg with us today. He is a longtime friend of the Military Child Education Coalition and a trusted member of our Science Advisory Board. So thank you for being here, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you so much. It's uh, always a great pleasure and honor to uh, work with MSEC and uh, with parents and parents. Many of you have heard me speak about resilience in the past, and what I want to focus on is all the things that I've talked about in the past, but with an extra twist. Like, how is it that we build resilience, particularly now, whether we're serving as professionals or as parents in our kids during these times, during these uncertain times? I want to show you the website from the Center for Parent and Teen Communication. I want to describe to you what this is. This is a multi-million dollar project that is free to you, free for you to use now. It has a landing page for military families. So if you put in the search thing, military, it'll take you to a landing page and walk you through everything that you need to know, um, including parenting from a distance, which you may know is something that I've been involved in pretty heavily between Boys and Girls Club and MSAC for 15 years now. Um, It's all here now. This is a multicultural site, meaning not just that our pictures are multicultural, but our writers are multicultural, and we work really, really hard not to perpetuate structural inequities. What does that mean? It means that most parenting advice is white middle-class biased and makes other people feel bad about themselves. We work really hard not to do that, both through multicultural writing and through consultation that checks us in terms of what we put out. Most importantly to me, this is a straight-faced website. If you Google right now, how do I talk to my kids, the thing that's most likely to come up is the word survival. The books are all about surviving adolescence. It's all about rolling your eyes with adolescence. This is poison. 
Because just as the fundamental question of adolescence is who am I, the fundamental question of parenting adolescence is do I still matter? And if enough adults tell you to you that adolescence is this time of inherent risk, this time where they don't like adults, all of which are myths, that adolescents think they're invulnerable, a myth, then what happens is you don't engage. This website is actually framed completely differently. So this website, again, very, very comprehensive. It has many sections, each of which have many articles running from 100 words to about 2,500 words. There are films, there are quizzes, there's all this stuff. Um, it's all free to you. It's parentsandteen.com. You also can become members today, which means you would get either daily or weekly tips. The idea of your being a member is you can share it easily. We're never going to ask you for money, but you can share it easily with friends to start a movement that reshapes how we think about kids. So please use that, share that with everyone. I want to tell you what resources we have available to you. Just to be really clear, I am not a book salesman. I am a child advocate, but I've spent many years creating tools so that I don't have to be everywhere and people can go deeper dives and do some reflections. On the bottom right is Raising Kids to Thrive. This book has been out since 2014. It's really about two basic principles. How do you balance how much you love your kid with the fact that, and you want to be the unconditional about that, with the fact you also have to hold them to high expectations. How do you balance wanting to protect your kid with letting them fall down and skinning their knees, trusting them to make mistakes? This book has um, wisdom from 500 youth infused throughout the book. Next is Building Resilience. This is a book that MSEC has been using for a long time. It came out on May 26th in fourth edition. It is a hugely improved version, I believe. The main version is that it helps, you, it helps you more with how to get your kid back when there's a problem. Building Resilience 1, 2, and 3 were largely preventative. It's all still there, but now it tells you what to do when your kid isn't behaving in the way that you want. We teach you about discipline, but now we tell you how to bring the kid back. On the left is Reaching Teens. Reaching Teens came out on Monday. This is the second edition. This is a comprehensive strength-based toolkit for professionals that teaches professionals how to work with kids in a loving way that sees the absolute best in them. It is, uh, has 400 films. It's not for you as individuals, for parents. I want you to know it exists because it's good for schools. It has a different portal of entry that just teaches schools how to use it um, and many other portals of entry for different kinds of professions who work with kids. Because the electronic book lets you, um, it shuffles everything, it creates different experiences depending on your professional setting. So I'm really proud of what it's produced and it all is strength-based. It was, do you have a good source to guide school professionals who work directly with teens that can be used when having conversations? Do you have other recommendations for that question? So we have assistant editors in many different categories, juvenile justice, youth development, um, uh, foster care, schools, healthcare, sports and physical recreation, and uh, substance use. And um, the school professionals from the Rochester, New York area, where 60 school districts use Reaching Teens, created an opportunity for Reaching Teens to be laid onto social and emotional learning, because that's where schools are at right now, is how do we do the social and emotional learning piece? So all of the values 
um, of social emotional learning are are tagged onto reaching teens for them. Co-regulation techniques for teens that are antisocial with family. Any suggestions for that? Yeah. So the first thing is I would really look at that question very deeply and look at the whys rather than necessarily um, come up with co-regulation techniques. Now, I don't know what you mean by antisocial, and I don't want you to be answering it in this setting, right? This isn't the right setting for me to make safe for you to be able to, to ask that question. If you mean that your child is removing him or herself from the family and having a little bit more alone time, but they're functioning well in the rest of their world, then you have a normal adolescent who is getting ready to fly from the nest and trying to experience themselves. Um, independently of you, which often is just a manifestation of how overwhelmingly they love you. So just take a deep breath and wait a couple years for it to pass. If you mean that they are particularly difficult with your family, then what I would suggest is not so much co-regulation as remove yourself to give yourself the space and start with the question, why do I care so much? Why do I love this child so deeply that I am hurt right now? If we can remember all that is good and right in our children, that is the first step towards bringing them back. Because what happens is families begin clashing and then kids begin filling the role that they think they have to get parental attention. They begin noticing that the main way I get attention at home is by being a bear at home. And it becomes a pattern that they can't break and that they don't have the wisdom of years to break, which means that the only way that the parents can break it is remembering all that is good and right. Because, you know, the little boy who's, like, talking back to you is the same little boy who, like, ran up to you when you came home and said mommy was coming home when he was two. If you can remember all of that, it'll change your spiritual um, being, and that's the first step towards co-regulation. And that's an example of a chapter that's in the new building resilience that wasn't in the old. But really look at the whys and really remember something. Kids pretend that they don't care when they care so much that it hurts. So never believe that a kid pushing you away is rooted in them really wanting to push you away. Never believe that. That's one point. Another point I just got to say to you is this. Depression is missed in adolescence all the time. And the reason is this. Because when adolescents look like adults who are depressed, we always know, right? They smell. They're not eating. They're, they're eating too much. They're not sleeping. They're sleeping too much. Indeed, they're sad. We know those kids. And we embrace them. And we support them. But for half of adolescence, depression does not look like sadness. It looks like rage and irritability. And then parents see that kid as bad instead of sad and miss the opportunity for healing. So please, if your child is in that place, extra irritable, extra defiant, get a professional involved. Because it could be that what that child needs more than anything is lots of love and treatment for depression. Those were generic answers without me knowing well, your child. That was 
Um, let's see what we've got. So this question from one of our participants. Okay, so bartering techniques with teens will help to get them to do things and stay connected with family. Should I also communicate the importance of staying connected with family? I, I think this came, this might have come from one question where uh, one of our participants said that they took, um, they took a cell phone away because the child was spending too much time on it, but then they gave it back because they had to alter their rules because of COVID and life is crazy. So I'm wondering if that's where that question came from. So does that make sense? Um, I think so. So I agree with the person who gave the cell phone back. Taking your cell phone away from your child now is not like taking it away 10 years ago. It is literally cutting them off from the world. It is a different kind of punishment. Remember, we never want to punish our kids. We want to discipline our kids. Punishment feels like control. It feels like anger. Discipline, you know, means to teach or to guide. That's always our goal. So I don't know if I would call that bartering, but I would say that kids have should always be demonstrating responsibility in order to gain privileges. I agree with that. And so far as the second half of the question, should we be emphasizing the importance of human connection to our kids? The answer to that is yes, 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 yes. There's probably never been a more obvious time to do it than right now, when they're actually understanding how much human connection is important because they've been lacking it recently. This can change their lives. This is the whole point I was making about what could this generation be? If this is the generation that knows that human connection I agree. is the answer. I think it's, like you said, we don't know quite yet what it's going to look like, but I love that idea. If it makes them you know, better connected and closer to family, then it's a win-win for everybody. All right, so let's see. This one says, do you have any thoughts on how to correct situations that we as parents might have messed up in handling um, some of these complex situations in, at this point, and what's the best way to move forward after mistakes? Humility. So it begins with humility. The fact that you're asking the question tells me who you are. And you apologize. Seriously, there is nothing more profound than an apology for a teenager. Because they're going to be like, say what? Right? And you're not apologizing for being a bad parent. Bad parents don't ask those questions. Right? Bad parents don't feel bad when they messed up or when they didn't do something as well as they could, right? That's what good, self-reflective, thoughtful people think of like. So say to your child, you know, I believe I handled a situation wrong and I want to know how to be better. Well, you know what? Nobody knows what you need more than you do. Can you guide me how to be your parent? So I want you to know how different that is. Like, like, I'm not suggesting be your kid's friend. Being your kid's friend is the kiss of death of a relationship, right? Then kids need a parent. They need a guide, someone who's going to take them along their journey. So when I'm saying to a kid, guide me how to be your parent, I'm not putting myself on a level playing field saying I'm your buddy. I'm saying I am to guide you in your journey, but I recognize something. And what I recognize is that you're the expert in your own life. And I cannot be your guide if I don't know your perspective. That's really, really critical. But honest to goodness, if you want to reboot, tell your kid that. Their, their mouth will drop. And you want to really just make your kid freak out, tell them, 
I bet you could give me some good advice about that. what you need, need a right reboot. Now. Um, I love this question. What can grandparents do to support our kids and grandkids as they navigate this time? So let me get back to that in a second, uh, because again, <laughs> I am not a salesman. I produce materials to help people. Don't be confused, okay? But raising kids to thrive has an entire section on rebooting relationships. The last section is like 100 pages on how to start over, including a chapter for kids that says, so your parents want to reboot the relationship. Here's how we suggest you handle that. All right. Now, so, so far as the um, question from uh, about grandparents, grandparents are a vital role right here, right? You know, good parents are always confused. They're always wondering what they could do better. And when grandparents tell them how they could parent better, that's the kiss of death of intergenerational harmony, right? But when grandparents guide them based on their experience and they have the ability to have, be able to have stepped back and seen what's worked and what's backfired, that wisdom is really, really helpful. And let's be honest, grandparents always have a role in every culture, right? It's to be that like bastion of unconditional love that every kid needs, right? Because, you know, the parents, unconditional love definitely means that um, your love is not in question, but you should be giving a lot of guidance and a lot of discipline and a lot of boundaries. That's what parents need to do. And grandparents' role in the universe of being people who just enjoy that heck out of you. How about what resources do you recommend for resilience when children, when a child's parent has a life-threatening illness like cancer? But our science board has what might be the leading thinker in the world on this. I am going to be good with resilience in general. When you want to get to the point of really helping kids through those times, there's no one in the country better than Paula Rausch. I would go to her site. So what resources do you recommend for young boys who are passive? Sure. Are assertiveness and passiveness personality traits, or can anyone change this about themselves? So young boys who are passive. Yeah, it's a really um, okay. good question. I can't think of a resource off the top of my head. I will, however, still give you advice. The way the question is asked is laden with assumptions about what boys are supposed to be versus girls supposed to be. I think we want all of our kids to be active in terms of being empowered in their life. Um, but um, there are certain traits that aren't going to change. Um, some people are just more gregarious. Some people are shy. You knew when your kid was two years old, whether he was the kind of kid who like got in front of you and danced and went, look at me, or like was hanging onto your thigh and peeking from around you to see what was happening, right? Those are kind of temperament traits that are not likely to change. So what seems important to me is that we build this young man's confidence in order to be able to become more assertive over time, to be able to demonstrate his competencies and to get out of his shell. I'm down with that completely. But what I also want to make sure is that as this young man grows, that he doesn't have a kind of toxic view of maleness 
that suggest that being quiet or shyer or laying behind is not masculine. Um, so um, that is where the real damage could happen is if he walked away thinking that, right? Because some of the people, remember, even for leaders, they're different kind of leaders. There are aggressive leaders and they're the ones who kind of hang back, do the real listening, and once they've listened, they can synthesize for the group um, where to move forward. And I'll tell you something, those are my favorite kind of leaders, right? Um, so, you know, let this person be him, self, let him know that you love him just the way he is, and develop his competencies and his confidence over time. But don't try to change his intrinsic nature because it won't work and it will only make him feel bad about himself. Hey, oh, saw okay. a quick question. Um, one of the questions was supporting gay youth. Um, you will get, okay, go that, that is um, vital. I, it's just too important to um, let pass. Um, so start with PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbian and Gays, or go to the Trevor Project. There's a ginormous amount of research out there it is unbelievably important that an adolescent who is gay um, understands that he is valued or she is valued or they are valued exactly as they are. It will change their life to be accepted I just by their parents. Yeah, thank um, you. All right. Well, all right. thank you so much. You are amazing. We love you. We especially love you at the MSEC, and we appreciate you being here. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.